0: You're listening to Interlocking NYs with Rick and Jimmy on 365 Sportscast Network. All right, everybody. Good evening. Here we are. The Interlocking NY show. That's right. I'm Jimmy Palumbo with my co-host Rick Antonori, and we are the Interlocking NY buddies. Um, And what we do this show is basically we talk a lot about baseball. Um, I'm obviously a Yankee fan, and Rick, of course, is a... Mets fan. Big time Mets fan. Big-time Mets fan. Bleed and both blue and of us, Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, I have actually – the difference between this week and last week's show is the Yankees were playing lousy last week before the show, and they are continuing to play lousy. I think they won one game. Yeah, they won one. Um, yeah. They're just – the batting averages are on are uncann- – I mean, they're all – they're just so low. I mean, guys are batting under 200, under 230 – uh, popping up a lot, not moving runners over, striking out. Um They're walking a little bit. A couple of guys are walking a little bit, but that's about it. And when, when someone doesn't pitch a good game, they, 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 they lose by seven, eight run. It's just uh bad baseball, bad defense. You know what? It's the kind of thing, in my opinion, that gets a coach fired because but, but, yeah, but I mean, it's still so early. They, they don't I mean, seem ready to play. I mean, that, it's that I'll sloppy. give
1: you, that I'll give you I, And I, um, as we're recording this, you know, there's a big story right now in the Post about uh, how, you know, Glibert Torres didn't run out of ball and and Aaron Boone has to sit him down. And, um, you know, he just squibbered back to the mound and he, like, barely ran. And I think a lot of uh, people are upset by that, especially the Yankee players, because, you know, you got to show hustle and that didn't come out in that one instance. Now, he's probably frustrated. You know, but the Mets, yep. though, they're not hitting that great either. I mean... Um,
0: like I said, yeah, but the Mets, this... at least it's like, well, the, the pitching's just... keep
1: the pitching has been lights out right now. Right. For them, you, for the most what, part, what you
0: could say about the Mets is, are they winning a lot right now? No, but they're, they're, they're not playing. You wouldn't say they're playing bad baseball. No, they had one stinker during this week, but other than right. that, whereas, uh, whereas the Yankees, it, the, the, the eye candy is just, um, it's a lot a of rough. balls bouncing off gloves. Uh, you know, they uh, it's just it's just it's tough to watch uh, as a matter of fact my my cousin made a joke my cousin john henry made a joke he said you know what right in the middle of the game i'm switching to the knicks i haven't been able to say that for 25 years like yeah said, you know, I you know the what same thing.
1: that is that's an excellent point you're 100 right on that because well, yankee fans are watching nick games during oh, the yankee that yeah. hasn't
0: happened in a thousand years
1: yes i mean not to By I, mean, way, I know it's basketball but i gotta say as a New York sports fan, it
0: is great to see the New York Knicks doing something. Oh, dude. I, I, I mean, know it's this is a baseball show, but it's a baseball show. We, I have no problem talking about the Knicks briefly. <laughs> First of all, it, this is what the Knicks are to me. Number one, I'm a huge Knicks fan. The Knicks have been lousy. Same here. Year.
1: They've been terrible.
0: Even though in 99 they made the finals, they really were the eighth seed that year. They weren't even that good. Uh, yeah, no. This team has stunk for a very long time. Yeah. And th- they're fun to watch. They are. They they're got, young. They got Randall, Randall's having a, a career year. Career year. They, 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 Barrett, they play defense. You know, R.J. Barrett's coming into his own as a second-year player. Right. I mean, and, I know. They hustle. They're fun to watch. And you know what? They don't go away. They fall down by nine. They come back in. Unfortunately, sometimes they're up by nine, and they, the other team creeps back in. But I think, look, there's, there's some top-heavy teams in the NBA. Okay. Oh, yeah. And the Knicks, the Knicks are not good enough to win it. However... Like, you know, some of the top-heavy teams, are they're injured. Like, you know, LeBron's injury, he's hurt. I know they're all getting ready for the playoff run. But, you know, when you don't play that much and you get into the playoffs and you're banged up, like the Nets, to me, if the Nets had all three players. Yeah, they're banged um, up. Yeah, but but if they had all three players playing all year, I believe in the Nets would be impossible to beat in a series with the days off and all that. Impossible to beat. Because I mean, Durant really is... I mean, before he got his injury, he was the best player in the league. Yeah, I you got Harden. You got Irving. But now, they're not playing together. Anyway, this we could talk about basketball. Right. I mean, I mean, this is baseball. Show, but, yeah, but the, the bottom I mean, line it's is. It's great to
1: see the Knicks actually playing well. It is. Because they,
0: when, you're, they, they, when you're a Yankee fan and you're watching Knicks games or the Yankee, <laughs> Yankee game, you know there's trouble in paradise. over there. Yeah, there's a little so problems anyway, in the pinstripes there. Now, another important thing that happened this week that I think the listeners to our show need to, need to understand. I played my first softball game. Oh, how'd it go? First of all, I woke up Monday and, and like my toes hurt. I, I, I got out of the car. <laughs> I warmed up for about 40 seconds, which included really tying my shoes. Uh, it uh, we, everybody has a cooler. So you have a couple of beers during the game. I sipped on a little IPA. Next thing you know, I'm playing right center field. I haven't played right center field in 15 years. Uh, guy hits a rocket over my head. First, <laughs> I went back on my, on my horse, which was really a, a two-legged donkey. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, you think you're 25 in your head. You, I ran as hard as I could. And got, when I went to throw it in, I felt like, you ever see those horror films when like, when when the spear hits something and everything shatters, like I threw the ball in, I felt my wrist, my forearm, my shoulder, everything. It just it was the most <laughs> ugly throw. I think it went nine feet. Oh god! I, I was like, oh my god! But I got up. They batted me like eighth, which bothered me anyway. Even though I deserved to be batting eighth, and uh, of course I did slap a base in over second base. Did you? Excellent. I was going to ask you that. But, but you know what? After that, man, I was I was one for four. I hit two dribblers. Nothing felt right. You know what hurt the most? And you can, well, yeah, the, the grip, I, I really didn't, uh, the grip of the bat, I didn't feel like the bat felt weird. Uh, I remember when I used to do, when I used to play softball or even baseball, when you, I used to do construction with my father doing the day. Yeah. And then I'm swinging a hammer all day. Right. And then when you grab the softball bat, the softball bat felt like a toothpick. Right. You're just you just swing hammer. hammer. it. Right. I have done nothing but do podcasts. Okay. Yeah. So, so so, I, so, so the
1: term you being soft is really an
0: understatement. Soft. <laughs> I felt so matter of fact, it, after the game and nobody, you know, it, 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 it's, we're, we're not, on, I'm not on a good team. And uh, I was like, I was actually depressed. I was like, my, you know what? Like it's over. The run is over. But then I realized, you know what? This week there's a cage around us. I can go to, I gotta go in and just swing the bat a little bit, just That's put a little weight just, on the bat, just, get, just a little, get a little get the better. I didn't have a batting glove on; it was a little nippy in the air. Um, I can't go out like this. I'm like, no, yeah. well,
1: I mean, it's like riding a bike; it'll come back. These Guys are older than me. It's a matter I'm, I'm how, not the youngest. It's a it's Oldest a matter of how when it comes back is is is, is the question. I mean, um, uh, but listen, I know it's never gonna come back, but it's gotta come back a little bit. Uh, I, I mean? mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. There are times I'm. I'm on my way to first base to coach and I'm watching the opposing pitcher throw to the catcher and I'm timing, you know, again, I'm waiting for the catcher to throw down the second to, to time him. But there are times I'll stand right behind the catcher as if I was in the in the right handed batter's box. Right. And I'm like,
0: I think I could hit him. <laughs> oh, you, you feel that way? Okay. I was gonna ask you, do you think right now <sighs> excuse me. If you put uh oh my sign if you put me. spikes on in a pair of sweats and went out right now in the first inning of one of your division two college games. What kind of out bat would you have? Oh, you know
1: what? I, I mean, I'd be I'd be thinking the entire time, Rick. Just look for right center field, go the opposite way, so you can see the ball longer, and then right. and, and hunt fast, hunt the fastball.
0: Don't even. So do you think like being older, a little bit more knowledgeable about the game assist, or is it just you're old now and I'm, reflexes? I, and I can, can tell you right now, I'm looking
1: for. You know, Bruce Fields talked about in the interview last week that we had where you look for a certain zone in the strike, like a certain right. pitch in the strike zone. I'm telling you right now, I'm looking middle out around knee to belt level, and I'm looking to go to right center field. I'm just looking, I'm going to just slap it, like you said, into right center field on the outer half. Right. You know, the guy, like the guys when we do BP, every now and then they'll ask us to, uh, they will ask us to. I don't um, think I
0: could do i I, 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 start, hit. I haven't hit baseball in yeah they ask though.
1: us to hit and every every now and then we'll take a couple of swings but they're like oh let's see if you go yard I'm like look I ain't going yard anymore
0: you know it ain't happening. what about, what, what about if a guy threw a really decent Lord Charles curveball we'll have to freeze you oh yeah I um I would agree or, or would that be the, would that be the
1: pitch you shouldn't throw because you have time to hit it that's right he shouldn't be throwing that because I have time I'll have time to hit it I could tell you this he'll fr- he'll probably fool me the first time. But once I look really foolish with my rent hanging out and the, the, with a really right. terrible swing, he'll think he
0: can throw it again, and that's what I'm waiting for. The only problem you would have, though, if you did get a base hit to right field. I got to run. I believe the right fielder <laughs> would casually pick up the ball and throw a strike he, the first he, base hit. He, he, he might. I, you know, I, I can still run a little bit, but it, it's short burst. Short <laughs> burst. I don't know about the 90 feet. We'll see what we we'll happens. I, I remember, listen, my dad played semi-pro ball for years. Uh, up until he literally got married, had the three kids. And then my mother just, he was playing doubleheaders every Sunday, working construction six days a week. yeah, And then on Sunday playing doubleheaders in Corona, Queens. And my mother with the three kids and everything, we were living in Jersey. My mother just said, forget this. He can't do that. And he he packed it and he started playing softball in 67. Wow. And um, he played for years and they got good at the, when he was like 55, 60, his team got good only because he added like four young guys. So okay. they had like four veterans who were good ball players, can't run no more, but nobody threw the ball around. None of those right. mistakes. Like game. The right. only mistakes they made were you're too old to get to the ball. And so what happened was he, they they got too old. They packed it in. and uh, But he would come to the games and sometimes we were short and my dad would play. And in the very beginning, my dad could play first base and hold his own. But... What started to happen and I'll never forget it. One time he, he was like, Jimmy, you got enough guys. I don't really I don't want to play. You guys are younger, but you know, now he was like 68. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. um, uh, I was like, Dad, nobody cares. They love when you come down. They get a kick out of Mr. Palumbo playing. He's like, nah, you don't understand. And then his last game he ever played, I'll never forget it. He's playing first base. We're playing a heated team, little testosterone. But uh I uh he got up in the first inning, yeah, and there was one out. And he hit a ground ball and he got doubled up by 10 feet. Okay. He can't run no more. So he got down. He's like, ah, Jimmy, I can't run no more. I hit the ball on the ground. I'm doomed. I said, dad, don't worry about it. Without you, we're not playing. We only have 10 guys. So the next inning, pop fly foul territory to first base. Now my dad was a good first baseman. Okay? okay. Dude, the ball hit off his glove, his nose, his face. Right. it's... You know, you get some guys on our team. Hey, come on. You got to have that. You know, that everything. So we get that. We get to the bench. And he looks to me. He says, Jimmy, I am not playing anymore. You will forfeit. I will not there's go a, in the game. He goes, he looks at Jimmy. He goes, I can't do it anymore. Right. And I, I don't like to. I, I was a good ball player. His body, you, know, you know, my father was not an emotional guy. So the fact that he said that to me is like, ah, no problem. So for years, people always wanted them to dad why don't you get one at bat? And when he got really old, like seventy-four, we were down like twenty to two against a really good team. Yeah. I said, Dad, you wanna yeah. go up there swing the bat? He goes, Nope. Yeah, no. So but, he said to me, Jimmy, level... you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn. So I tell you, Sunday, I had an overwhelming I missed I... my dad because I was like, he would have looked at me, says, huh? You're shot. That's the problem. Right. You I, shot. Mean,
1: I grew up with a with a young dad and uh we', we we would play sports in the in the backyard, throwing the football around, baseball around. I remember like 20 years ago, a little more than that. I was running a softball team or whatever it was. I was playing, playing, sure, playing playing. Where I was playing everywhere, and I said, "Come on down play." Well, he he struggled the same way you did before your, your father did, and I at, at right. the time I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm like, you know what the hell? What's wrong with you? You know, but in the fall with this the college team I am now. There are times I'm like, okay, go do this. And my, I, I tell my body to go do it, and my body right. goes, no, that ain't happening. Not, not, not happening. And and I'll say, right.
0: my, my pride is like, you could do it,
1: and my body's like, oh really? Here, here's a hamstring pull for you. You know, right. something like that. I know. I, know.
0: I, I knock on wood. I've been blessed without an injury, um, but I know this Sunday before the game, I'm gonna uh, I gotta loosen up a little bit. I yeah. gotta be ready to go. But um, but you know, back I laugh because uh again. the Yankee. Yankee and met uh, Jay Bruce. Oh yeah. Uh, he retired retired. During the, I even tied retired. against
1: the Reds he, he came up. And I,
0: it's funny. I, I was watching that and I'm saying to myself like, that must be really hard. Uh, probably hard in two levels. Uh, uh, fortunately, these guys make, listen, unless you're not wise with your money, the amount of money these guys are making, he could, he could live in some suburb somewhere with the money he's earned in baseball and do scouting work and, and probably be fine, you know? Right. Uh, but back in the day, I wonder what it must have been like for, you know, even guys like Mays in 73 and 70, you know, That's, and uh, even Aaron after he broke the record, you know, these guys were getting top heavy money. Now, you know, they were making, they were making 15 grand a year in they, the 40s they, and 50s. They were being paid and for now the player they were, making, they were, not the player they were at that right, time. Right. And now you remember probably Aaron, Aaron probably made a decent buck. I think he retired in 77, maybe. Yeah. Um, but he was a shell matter of fact, that's why if you look at Mays and Aaron, I've always thought, um, look, take away their last three years. Right. Um, and, and, and Babe Ruth, of course, same way. Yes. Uh, they, the only thing different been. is Babe Ruth kind of knew when he signed with the Boston Braves, everybody's seen the movies and stuff. They well, pretty much told him like, yeah, yeah but they, 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 they said you were, we're going to let you manage. They never, but they never were going to do that. And the other thing is they, uh, Babe Ruth knew he was just a draw for ticket sales. Right, that's it. So, so but, the Boston Braves were like not the Red Sox.
1: You know, you know but I mean? to to document history, Babe Ruth knew it on his last day he
0: did hit three home runs. <laughs> three, three home runs, right? But you wonder who they were playing and what the picture was. I think it was it, Pittsburgh. I think if I remember they correctly. say he was so grossly overweight, yeah. and so out of shape. Um, but yeah, he, he retired in thirty-five, I believe. And people mm, yeah. don't realize they think of the twenty-seven Yankees, but. Ruth have been playing since I think 1917. Uh, he, right. He's the number. Listen, I, we, we can. We, we got to move on to another segment. But the thing when Michael Jordan won the best player of all time on ESPN, athlete player, and Ruth came in number two. I, I thought that was a travesty because what Ruth was able to do. You got to compare. Obviously, there's no relief pitching now. There's night games now. And yeah, stuff. It is whole, it's a different. You have to compare. This guy was. You know, I think in 1923 or 1921, he hit 59 home runs. That right. was unheard of. And you know, what? listen, you know, he was hitting more home guys. runs.
1: He was hitting more home runs as a single teams player were.
0: than whole teams were. Right. Right. And also, he was the best pitcher in the league. Right. And I think he has a, he has World Series records he did up to records that some of them are, are still around. For pitching. Um, so and he also you got to remember it was a time when now the media was kind. To guys yes, like that, the, the media, newspaper. Right, man. they put him However, on a pedestal, and they still followed him around. Every city he went to was a mob scene. He he didn't have a minute of privacy. No, I mean, but they didn't. It if, wasn't like today. But he he in many ways it was even more because he was the only show in town.
1: Right, and they protected him for you know and that, that reason. But it's the same thing if you think about it. He's been you know he's been gone for so many years, just like Marilyn Monroe and... Well, Muhammad Ali not as not as he has he only passed away not too long ago, but um, their images of who they are right. have, have right. spanned have spanned life. My daughter knows who Marilyn Monroe is. Right. You know, my son knows Babe who Ruth Babe Ruth is. is
0: yeah. I hey, mean, look, like, Babe Ruth. You know, there's also an agency that represents all the dead right, baseball and, players. Right. And so, they say I think Babe Ruth brings to the family, and the lawyers get like 80 percent, and the family still makes like three million dollars a year. Right, just on um, just on that. The, all, all they do is get an email that says, "I've heard this is true." They get an email saying, "You want us to put his face on this? Yes or no?" And if they say yes, boom, it goes into production, really, right. and they get
1: a check. And get it done. If
0: they say no, they stop it. But I heard the Ruth family now is so separated from him that they say yes to everything. So, right, so. anyway, that's our little. I suck in softball now, and uh, the Yankees stink. So maybe that's what it is. As the Yankees stink, I stink in softball. Maybe that's probably it what it is, is actually. Because team- When we come back, we are going to do our favorite segment of the week. Do you remember the and name of called- it? It's called – I just gave yes. you a tip. It's called <laughs> – do you remember what that guy's name was? No, what's the name of it? No, no, do it's called- you remember no, that I guy? It's called- no, it's called – no, it's called what the hell's the matter with him? What's the name of it? <laughs> do you remember that guy? Do you remember that guy? All right, one of the jokes on the show is that uh, I can't remember the name of the segment. So, um, and I, but I did say Rick Antonori's name, right? You did. fantastic. <clears throat> that means I won't get another email from his aunt. <laughs> oh, your aunt can send a very vile email when she wants to. Oh them. my God. But coming up. We'll be our right. favorite segment. What the heck happened to this guy okay. or that guy? Whatever his name is. Do you remember okay, that guy is sponsored by center on the of the my show the Rick and Jimmy show. Um, all right, Rick, I picked a guy that I just thought of. I I do. I do. I pick these guys in two ways. Sometimes I'll research a roster from a certain year. I'll look for a guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that guy. Or other times I'll just think of this guy and say, you know what? I'm going to look him up. So I looked him up. All right. So this guy, he played uh, in major league baseball nine years in the bigs. All right. He played from 91 to 97 for the New York Yankees. Okay. Um, uh and he, he retired Excuse in 1999. Me. Okay. Right. He's a Philly guy, and his name is Pat Kelly. Pat Kelly. Okay. He's a decent infielder. Decent, yeah, right. Pretty good fielder. Uh <clears throat> lifetime fielding percentage, I think 978, which isn't bad. No. Um he uh lifetime batting average 249. He was also part of the what I think is unique in that he was, and this is why Yankee fans will know him. He was part of that. You know, the Yankees started to show a little glimmer in 94. Then in 95, they made the playoffs. And, of course, right. 96, they won the, you know, blah, 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 And it became, the, you know, the Derek Jeter years. He was also like a mentor to Derek Jeter because he was a veteran. I did not Jeter know that. When Jeter first came up. Yeah, it's, uh, right. and Jeter, played, Jeter played a little bit in 95. Uh, excuse me. In 95. Yeah. At the and end. then he became the starter after uh, – Tony Fernandez got hurt in 96 right in the very beginning. But this uh Pat Kelly, 9 years in the bigs, lifetime batting average 2.49. His best year would be 93. He batted 273, 7 home runs, 51 RBIs. He was on the team like I said, 95, 96, 97. Um he uh he did play in the Seattle playoffs, uh, he played all five games, got six at-bats, went over three. Jimmy, he played in um,
1: multiple positions, right? It was just a second base. pretty much played second and third. Second. I remember
0: him second base. Second okay. and third. All right. He was drafted in 88 in the ninth round, uh, and he ended up with Toronto in 97 and ended up with St. Louis. He, got, uh, he did a little Toronto, St. Louis, Toronto, St. Louis thing, back and forth. He was signed by the Angels in 2000 at the end of his career, but it doesn't, it just says signed. I guess he just didn't make the squad or whatever. Um, He always thought Derek Jeter in the beginning The Yankees spent like 700 grand on him in the draft. Okay. And uh, which was, I guess at the time, a decent amount of money. And he thought he was like too skinny. Didn't have enough strength, power, blah, blah, blah. Um, And uh, but the thing I remember most about Pat Kelly and Yankee fans might remember this, the Yankees didn't clinch a wild card in 95. So the last four games of the season, right? Which is which makes it so frustrating because the Yankees had the series against Seattle one, going up 2-0 and they lost in five. But with four games to go, the Yankees were down, I think, three to two late Ooh. against Toronto, late in the game. Okay. And um he hit a huge two-run home run. And I remember uh Every now and then during a rain delay, they'll play the game. I've heard it on audio and the way Susan Wallman and John Sterling do the game. It's just, it came out of nowhere. And he had a two run home run, won the game, and they clinched like two days later. Had they lost that game, it really would have been I mean, tight. Day, right. They didn't clinch it till a game left. And I remember like a, you know, a huge home run by Pat Kelly. The other thing interesting about Pat Kelly is that he ended up on St. Louis in 98. Okay. Came very close with Maguire. He got to be on the bench. He, you know, he played a cup of coffee that, that year, really filled in defensive purposes, that kind of thing. But he got to watch the whole Maguire thing. That's and that's he, cool. He, he's quoted as down. saying that Maguire uh, really wanted to win that competition. Right. And he would like everybody played off that they weren't into it. No, he, he was Maguire, into it. He says Maguire wanted to win it. Uh, he, uh, obviously in some of the articles I read, you know, standing about steroids. So what are you going to do? Uh the one thing that was interesting though, in that era of steroids, you know, Jeter came in, he was a skinny kid. So I wonder about that. The other thing about Pat Kelly, he he's a scout now for the LA Dodgers. And because he ended up moving to Australia. Oh. He married someone from Australia. And now he's living back in the States. But he's a big scout for the whole Pacific Rim. Australia, okay. Japan, Taiwan. That's a nice one. So he's still involved in baseball as of 19, uh, 2019, anyway. Um, so that's Pat Kelly. A little, little on the boring side, but I think fans will remember, I remember him. I remember he, Pat. He, he played a decent amount of yeah. games. Well, my guy,
1: which... I, here's the pro, The only problem my guy is... I looked him up. I kept looking and searching. Kind of like with your problem last week was... His, he, he retires, and then no one seems to know what, he's, what he did. But he played 11 years in the big leagues, was with the Mets for three years. It was during the dog days... When they were just on to come back up, he's involved in an integral trade twice, actually. Um, he came to the Mets from the Texas Rangers in the Lee Mazzilli deal. Remember uh, back then, uh, Lee Mazzilli was, was huge back then for the Mets in the late 70s. early. This is 1981. They trade okay. Lee Mazzilli for two pitchers, Ron Darling, who, this is, who is, not, this is not the person. This person is Walt Terrell. Who? What I didn't know was he played for the Yankees in 1989. I didn't know that. I remember Walt Terrell. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. I didn't know that. So Walt Terrell comes to the Mets, pitches 82, 83, and 84, and then gets traded to the Detroit Tigers after the 84 season for Howard Johnson. So that's your guy, Howard Johnson. No, no, my guy's Walt Terrell. My guy is Walt Terrell. My guy is Walt Terrell.
0: Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait. That's okay. I know. I I kind
1: of I kind of tricked you on that one. You did trick me. So. Walt Terrell. Oh, Walt Terrell. Okay. So what years did Walt Terrell pitch for the Mets? 82 through 84. He had a lifetime record of 111 and 124 with a 4.22 ERA. Oh, man. Okay. His biggest year was 1987 with the Detroit Tigers, where he went 17-10 and 10 with a 4.05 ERA and pitched 244 innings. Unfortunately, they made the Tigers made the playoffs that year, and he got banged around in his only playoff appearance for seven hits and six runs against the Minnesota Twins. Now yeah, he's in the Cape Cod League Hall of Fame for his performance okay. so in 1979.
0: Is, I think so is Steve Balboni, which we
1: well, did, I think ones, so. we we did ones, ones too, right? So now wait a minute. How many years in the bigs did Walt have? Eleven wow. years. He finished with 11 Pittsburgh. Years, and,
0: and he was one eleven and one twenty four. You said? yes,
1: 111, wow. 124.
0: So that's really that's, that's a you know what he is a classic journeyman.
1: Yeah, he's a journeyman, definitely I mean, a journeyman. You know. Now he's the you, kicker: always a starter or bullpen? Always a starter. He okay. he actually had seven. Um, hold on a second. I did write this down in my notes. He had a lifetime fielding percentage that you brought that up with Pat Kelly before of 980, which is very high for a pitcher. He was right. a quality fielding. Oh, he pitch, was like a uh, kitty
0: cot in that. Yeah, <laughs> in that regard.
1: And um, he had six years. Here it is where he threw over 200 innings. He was a he was a workhorse. Oh yeah yeah. Okay.
0: 200 is a lot. Now
1: his claim to fame with the Mets in 1983. He beat Ferguson Jenkins, Hall of Famer Ferguson Jenkins, in Wrigley Field. The score was four to one. Walt Terrell had two hits that game and all four RBIs because he had two home runs off of Fergie Jenkins. So he had oh my god the so two home runs. He he all he the did, RBIs any pitch any pitch he did all the scoring and all the pitching for for the Mets that <laughs> what game. What year was that? 80, Nin, 1983. eighty
0: three. First of all, I didn't realize <sighs> Fergie Jenkins was still pitching in 83. Oh my allergies are just killing but that me. This is, week. Uh, that <clears throat> is uh that is uh. Wow. But I, you know what's so funny? And we hate, listen, one of the things about the show, we, we what the heck happened to this guy, right?
1: No, do like, you remember as a, as that a, guy?
0: You remember <laughs> that guy. Okay. Here, here's the best thing about this for me. This guy played 11 years in the major leagues. Right. right? But to the fan, when you bring up Walt Terrell, he, he, if you're sitting at the bar, you go, oh, he stunk. Oh, that guy was awful. And then you find out he was pitching for 11 years. He, so you, right. you say to yourself, what? Like these you can't stink, even though as a fan of the especially if a guy pitched during a lousy error of your team, your initial reaction was ah, oh, that guy stunk. And then you look, he's one eleven or one twenty four. And and then, but then you find out, wait a minute, this guy's throwing two hundred innings a year. And you know what? Managers need a guy like that. And they probably never got hurt. Right. Right. I mean, he, he's and, and, and every every four days, five days. This guy took them out right. I mean and his he, ERA was four point two, which isn't great. But you know what? He pitched. Right. I mean,
1: he did um, most of his career in the American League. He was uh, the, with the, for the Mets, Tigers, Padres, then Yankees for a bit. And then he retired with Pittsburgh it was last year.
0: And another thing is, when these guys play, I'm always fascinated when a guy like this plays for seven teams uh, like that means that that it, in other words, you can get traded to a team. Yep. but then you get released but if you if you if you go from team to team to team there's got to be some redeeming value of why you, these teams are willing to pick you up you know what right I mean? well he and hasn't... he started right away for those other teams yes he did he went right in i mean with the Mets
1: he got he came over got traded at 81 to the Mets from the texas Rangers started and we and... have no idea what he's doing now I can't. I can't find anything. I mean, I've been looking. He's got a couple of kids, well, listen, and I'm like,
0: it's all our fans get in touch with us. What happened to Walter? What happened Harrell to the Walter. I know, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, maybe this segment is this segment's going to become one of, like one of those a mystery, uh, FBI like, in, shows. yeah,
1: investigation. <laughs> hey, when we come back, we have a great interview
0: with Mr. Johnston Hobbs. You're listening to Interlocking NY's with Rick and Jimmy on 365 Sportscast Network every Sunday at 8 p.m.
1: Welcome back to the Interlocking NY's with Rick and Jimmy. Hey, today our guest is a big-time collegiate athlete at Indiana University, but more importantly, works specifically with a lot of pros and college athletes, especially in baseball and other sports. I'll let him talk about it. Um, help them get to the next level. Um I want to welcome to Lock again, wise Mr. Johnston Hobbs.
0: Johnston, how you doing?
2: I'm doing very well. I hope you guys, or I find you guys doing the same. I want to thank you guys for having me on today.
0: Hey, Johnston, how you doing? Jimmy Palumbo here. Uh, I was just reading hey. stuff about your bio um, mm-hmm. and stuff you got going on. It's, it's funny. I always, we have guys on the show, part of, I think, me and Rick's whole thing is we have these, like, tons of underbelly guys, guys who work with baseball and every we always learn something from either a hitting coach, a batting coach, you know. Uh, and and what you do seems to be so varied in terms of getting collegiate players and and amateurs better, either in physical performance or actual talent in the game of baseball. So, yeah, um, I want to hear a little bit about your your company and uh, what you do and and uh, how you make kids better at playing the great game of baseball.
2: Oh well. First of all, I don't really look at it as, as a job because I just, I love the sport so much that, and I'm sure both of you guys are agreeing that you can go out on the field and work with somebody is, is, is a real treat. Um, right. What we do at uh, 224 Performance is, is we'll take um, what we identify as a higher level skilled athlete. It doesn't necessarily have to be college, it could be high school. We actually do a lot of work with younger kids on, on fundamental stuff but the the bread and butter of our business is helping you realize we're going to be blatantly honest with you. You know, you come into us and say, Jimmy, we're going to test you. We're going to test you psychologically. We're going to test you physically. We're going to evaluate how you handle certain situations. And we're going to come back and tell you, this is what you need to work on today. This is what you need to work on next week. This is your 30 day plan, your 90 day plan. This is what we think you can do based on our experiences. (laughs) Or it may be, have a good season is probably the last one you're ever going to play. So, so
0: do you tend to have the kids um, uh, that are um, uh, close to maybe making some noise in the game and they just need that extra, like, okay, you're a decent high school hitter. You know, you're batting 380 in high school, God bless. And you have your 6'2, 230, or you, know, you got the size. But now, 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 now we, we're going to try to get you to that next level. Is that more of a kind of what
2: it is? Yeah, exactly. And our sister company, which is Peak Performance, kind of specializes on the performance psychology part of it. I have okay. a background in formal education and uh, performance psychology and sports psychology okay. and a little bit of biomechanics. And what I try to do is incorporate all that and work on the things um, that it would take to get past this, the, hey, this kid's really good. Like you can't teach size. Like you said, if you got a 6'4", 230 kid, can't teach that. But what that doesn't necessarily translate into a successful high end college career or professional career. Um, right. When 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 there's 755 major leaguers and there's 7.5 billion people on the planet, you can do the math. Your <laughs> odds are less than one tenth of one percent or something crazy. Yeah, sure, like that. sure. Um, so what we try to do is be very honest with them and say these are the things that are going to help you. I ten I particularly specialize in catchers, okay. catchers and, and pitchers and throw it off what's that <laughs> That's, that's, that's and you hit
1: it off at that, uh, yeah. yeah absolutely
2: that's how actually. obviously
0: obviously you couldn't do anything with rick he's too fat and too old and too slow
2: so <laughs> rick, yeah.
0: for some reason i call rick fat he's not even that fat but it's funny
2: not, actually rick rick's lost some weight <laughs> i can't call him. yeah I'm, i can't I'm, call I'm, you
0: fat because you look like you're uh you know ready <laughs> to play tight end for the vikings right I mean, now Justin's
1: so. forearms are bigger than your legs Absolutely <laughs> <Sure> are <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what that that comes from my um my all my years of combat sports. Uh, one of the other sports that that two two four performance works with is mixed martial arts. Okay, um, boxing, jujitsu, guys like that, um, uh, as yeah. well as um, beach volleyball. Which I'm is- one of the I'm
0: one of the best MMA guys in New Jersey right now.
2: Yeah, um, we might no. be able to help you out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't even know how to, well, I, well, I watch it on TV and I get hurt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, listening to Johnston just now i had two thoughts one um you know i do know johnston i know you, you worked with uh, ramon laureano the center fielder for the oakland a's so i want to yeah. kind of ask you how that yeah, i got involved in that but also right. jimmy i can't help but think if you had worked with johnston in your playing days you might have batted, you know even a higher batting average in beer league Well,
0: that's the thing. I actually he invited me. uh, Johnston also has another part of his company where he handles uh, over 30 softball players. Uh, And uh, he wanted me to come to his camp because he figured if I can get Johnny Trino from Beer League to be involved in my camp, then every Overweight softball player in the in the world will want to come to his camp, and then I real so I went one day and I realized I'm better than anybody here. So I just slapped the base hit to second base. I dropped the bat. And I got on a flight and I came home because I realized you could do nothing for me.
2: <laughs> well, when you when you guys make beer league too, I can consult for you and help you with that swing and that mental edge and oh. maybe a little trash talk. <laughs> yeah, like-
0: Uh, You can help me with all that. I don't think you can help me with my swing. It's very unique. It's like a a nine iron uh, sloppy. uh, Derek Jeter meets. uh, 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 I don't know. Jack Nicklaus. (laughs) It's such an awful swing. It's gross. But the ball goes into the outfield. I get a base hit and I get a runner and I step off the bag. That's how it works. But anyway, so you're working with this guy in the A's. What was that all about?
2: Um, well, when I, when I was managing at Glens Falls, the uh, Glens Falls um, Golden Eagles back then, now they're the Glens Falls Dragons, I believe they changed owners. Um, Ramon came to me as a, an outfielder, center fielder, and with the reputation of this kid throws 97 miles an hour off a hop. Right. So he was 18, 19, I believe, when he played for us. Real good kid. Um, he knew, I, at the time I was coaching down in South Florida at uh, Flanagan High School in Pembroke Pines. So we had a lot of Dominican kids, Venezuelan kids, uh, Cubans, all sorts of stuff in that high school. We ended up um, being number one in the country a couple of times. Nice. Um, And so he uh, knew a lot of the players that I had coached in high school. So I worked with Ramon. Um, He was supposed to play for me again the next year in 14, but then he got drafted. So we did a lot of uh, mental approach stuff, you know, mostly with his hitting because I found when he was younger, as he hit, he played defensively. So if he's having a great game hitting, uh, I mean, and he always had a great arm. We've seen all the videos, right. Of him just gunning down people from 380 feet away. Um, we always knew, you know, he had that type of thing, but we wanted more consistency top to bottom on, on all aspects of the game. And he responded very well. And and part of it too, he's just a great kid. You know, he's just, and he has a great attitude and he, he has a very, uh, you know, he's a workman. Um, Right. You know, and also at the high school where I coached, we had guys like Mike Napoli come through there. JD Martinez um, played there. Oh, wow. He, he, yeah, he would come back um, in spring and do some hitting stuff with us and uh, with the kids. The kids always enjoy that. So, you know, South Florida is a pretty good pipeline. Oh, for yeah. That kind of thing. I've been very lucky with some of the guys that I've, I've, I've gotten. And then every year through this collegiate stuff that we do <laughs> in the summer, you know, we get guys drafted every year with the exception of last year because they only had five rounds. Right well,
0: and currently. Uh, hey, uh, let me just uh, let me yeah. just ask you: Are you hearing that noise? No. You don't hear the the excavating going on outside? No, it's you know. not coming. No. Okay, good. All right. So, uh, so John, you, have, you John, have to edit that. You have to edit that part, Rich. Yeah, so that, should I clap that? Yeah. yeah. So,
1: Johnston, you're currently uh, coaching in the Corn Belt League out in Omaha for the college kids, like you said. I'm actually sending two players, uh, Derek and Jeff, out there for the summer. Yeah. I know they've been in touch with you. Which oh, you yeah. enjoy because I, I know you, you. One thing you're big about is developing the relationships with mm-hmm. the players. Because I mean, we've talked about this in the past. You know, they've gotten. They might have been stars at you know their high school level, and you know, you jump from a pond into a lake. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes that lake is, you know, pretty pretty big, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other fish in there that you you have a tendency not to realize where you, where you stack up. And that's where you come in a little bit, helping these guys out. So like, what do you think? Like, give us a little relationship building thing, like what you do.
2: Well, you know, to me, um, and it's it's all went back to when I first started coaching in college. Um, I've been in in college athletics was my career for a while um, in the Big Ten and the ACC and the SEC. And my specialty was recruiting because I love the relationship part of, of building the relationship with the student athlete, selling the school. You know, but not not like used car salesmen, but convincing them you're going to be okay with us. You know, we're going to take care of you. And I particularly had an affinity for recruiting international kids. And that's where you really test your relationship building skills because they're leaving home. They don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, all they know is you. You're the face, name and and help them out as much as possible. Can I get an amen back there from Fido? Yeah,
0: (laughs) I got my dog here.
2: (laughs) so the relationship thing's big and and that's one thing about the summer leagues that i i enjoy is you ordinarily don't get guys to return to your teams you know they that, usually go yeah. on and play in different leagues every summer right, right i've always had guys return anywhere from six to eleven guys on a right, yearly and, basis and, and, and that's important now this year
1: yeah I think I, it's good because they you know, you, it also, I, actually, you've won the last three years of the combat league also, just to mention.
2: Two, last last two, years. last two years. This will be my third year, so we're we're hoping for a third, but, you know, well, that's not I, our goal.
0: I, I read something in your bio that I actually laughed out loud, but then I realized I can't make this funny because I'm sure it was a very serious thing, but you were, you, you were in charge of helping out the Turkish Olympic Committee to yeah. organize their baseball for the Olympics. And right away, I'm thinking here's this guy from Indiana going to Turkey trying to get these guys to play baseball. And I'm like, that's all we should talk about. That's what's an hour interview right there. But the way it reads in your bio, he also helped out the Turkish Olympic committee in establishing baseball in Turkey. And I'm thinking, what is this guy, Christopher Columbus of baseball? How did,
2: first of all, what was that? Okay. Well, here's the story behind that. Indiana university's first all American soccer player was Umit Kesem. He was from Turkey. Um, Uman went on to be a professor at Mamara University in Istanbul. Uh, Um, I met him. I was on the alumni board of directors at at Indiana University for about seven years with the school. What's now the School of Public Health. It used to be HPER. So Uman and I became friends. And this is when Turkey was like, we're going to put resources into baseball. We want to um, start a committee and start a selection process for players that could represent our country, help us design a program to develop them and i said sure and i actually flew out to istanbul um
0: that's unbelievable
2: oh it, it, first of all it was beautiful second of all i don't think i went two hours without eating man they eat all the time which is what, fire right down my alley
0: yeah, so, yeah. did you have to bring like i mean did, did, did they i mean i'm, I'm exaggerating but it was like did you have to bring like 15 gloves a couple of bats it was it like this is a baseball like or no, was it they already knew what was going on.
2: Well, they knew what was going on. What we were targeting was anyone of uh, Turkish descent or anyone that had Turkish parents that played in the U S we would okay. start the program like that. Um, if you, you didn't make the U S team. Um, we, you can make the Turkish team.
0: Ah, uh, I see. So, There's that little, little, uh, yeah. yeah, all right, yeah. Fair enough. Fair Same enough. Same thing Have I the did more.
2: with, um, the Hungarian Olympic committee with swimmers, you okay. know, and so so we, if your
0: great uh, great grandmother spent two hours in Hungary. You could be on, well, you know, if swimming. she's on the Orient
2: Express and she's not visible, you, go. in Istanbul, you got a spot on the team.
0: Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking you're, you you arrive in Turkey and, and you're like, okay, guys, we need an area to play, so cut down those trees. I got to put an infield in. Like, I'm gonna put a mound in. What is this?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, it's pretty they, much. What do, it was, do they was play?
0: A- do they play? What's that other game that's cricket, popular? In- cricket. Uh, cricket, do they play that
2: there? Yeah, yeah, cricket's over there. It's not as big as it is in, in India and Pakistan. Right. Okay. But okay. cricket's pretty much all over Europe. Um, right. I would not want to get hit by that ball, man. No, oh, that's, that's right, man. Yeah.
0: He's like a rock, like a rubber rock. Yeah. So yeah, did, did they is, end up, man. did Turkey end up having a team?
2: No, next year they removed uh, baseball from the Olympics. That's right. So okay. I got over there. Then they they decided not to do baseball and softball. And now that they're doing it, but I'm not sure what they're going to do now. Um, right. They haven't reached out to me. Probably not the greatest place for me to visit right now. <laughs> so, no, you, no know,
0: you know what? i, I tell you. I, I've always, um, I never liked Olympic baseball or Olympic softball.
2: Yeah, I just I wasn't don't
0: think sure. it's it, yeah. it's it's just not a sport that every country plays. Um, yeah. uh, it, I hate to say it's an American game. It sounds pompous, but it's just like. All right, so it's going to be like U.S. versus Canada every year. I don't know. Well, or I, I, there's other I, I, countries that are good. Don't get me wrong, but no, I just feel it's, it's like more of a north. It's a limited amount of countries. It's
1: not like you said. It's not yeah, a lot of countries.
0: It, yeah, that's the world why baseball
1: why I don't, classic is actually the last couple have been actually really good. The world baseball. I know, but, classic, but you, you three, got yeah. It's like five five countries, five countries right vying
0: for it. I don't I, know.
1: But re- really, to get back to our theme of interlocking and wise, and this is where, <laughs> where I'm going to get tag teamed here is, you know, Johnston happens to be a big Yankee fan like Jimmy. So I'm going to give you a do, and you could talk about, you know, Gary Sanchez. Yes, yeah, so let's about Gary Sanchez. I know, I can't, Sanchez. Because I know you, you would like to, you know, pump him up at the same time, you know, bring him crashing down. So I'll let you guys at it.
2: <laughs> but
0: well, that, I, first of all, yeah. before you go, I'm going to interrupt you. One quick thing. My uncle, my dad and my uncle were twins. They played semi-pro ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're identical twins. My father was, my uncle was probably five foot seven, but he was a catcher. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all reports I hear that my uncle would have, if he was six inches tall, it would have probably could have made the pros. Um, mm-hmm. he always said, I hate a lazy catcher. And he, he hate when there's no runners on and the balls in the dirt. These catchers let the ball go by sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Gary Sanchez just drove him nuts. Even Posada drove him nuts. Um, mm-hmm. But when you watch Sanchez play behind the plate, um, I don't think it's lot to me. He's, I just think he's not that good of a defensive catcher and there's nothing you could do. I, I don't know. He seems to work hard at it, but
2: you know, well, and, and like, I'm getting tingling right now because we're getting into my wheelhouse <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, all my spider senses are going about this one. You know, I, I you know, for Guy, and and I've had kids in the Yankees minor system that played with him, and and Rick, um, I know you're a Mets fan. One of my guys got Mets uh, minor yeah. league player of the year yeah. last year, Mark uh-huh. Vientos, yep. so we'll All give right. you a shout-out there. I just drafted um, him in a
1: in – a, in a, uh, you know, Yeah, yeah
2: he's, I told you he was going to be good. But anyway, <laughs> back to, um, to Sanchez. Yeah, he, he just doesn't um, – you know, Doc Councilman at in Indiana University wrote a famous paper on the X Factor right? It's not anything that's that's identifiable in writing. It's just that it thing. Yeah. And for defense, he doesn't have it. And I have so many videos on my phone that I show my catchers about what not to do. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, and not by design, 75% of them are Gary Sanchez, right? Um, even this, even as framing, and I think, you know, and I can only speculate if he was on my team, why would I hang on to him? Because every four or five at bats, he's going to run into one and hit it 500 feet or right, right to the fence. So that's exciting. And if you got a catcher that can hit, you find a way to get him in the lineup. Right. right? right. But he can also be a liability back there because to me, blocking and framing until we have some robot, rope, umpire system are, are skill sets that set you apart in that league.
0: Well, every year it seems like the Yankees want uh, their best pitcher tends to not, uh, no. that's the, that's the game where they put the, uh, you know, they take Sanchez out and make him a DH no. or whatever. So that makes a lot of sense to me because catching in baseball, you're really like the quarterback. I mean, it's the whole, sure. you're, you're the center of the universe.
2: Just, you have to be a leader whether you want to be or not. Right. 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 Because you're involved with every single play right. in that right. game. You may catch three or four guys that game. Shortstop may get three balls right field may not get any but you're right. interacting with that ball 120 times minimum game.
0: My favorite part of catching, watching baseball on TV, especially like on highlights is when, you know, uh, somebody gets beamed or there's, there's a fight. Mm-hmm. You always watch the catcher because mm-hmm. the catcher, oh, either easy to a got to defend his pitcher no matter what. Yeah. Or he's got to go at the umpire. Uh, like he you always watch the catcher and the right. catcher's body language is really dictates when everybody runs on the field because yes. sometimes you see the catcher is actually almost saying, I'm sorry, my pitcher was wrong there. Hang oh. on. And other times the catcher's like, we should have hit him. I wanted you to hit this guy two years ago. I'm glad he hit him now. You know, well, well that's we why think Jimmy Johnson
1: and I have a conversation because we've done uh, um, co- like conferences together and camps. And uh, I know we tell the catchers all the time that, you know, you're the one guy that everyone else is looking at. So you're, right. you're the general slash leader, whether you like it or not. So you need to act, you need to act like it, you know um, now I got a question. Cause uh, we had a, a guest, previous guests. We've been talking about, um, Johnston, like what, like, you know, you know the phase right now or the fad right now in catching is this, this framing from down below when they sweep oh. the glove up and sweep the glove up. Yeah, I know. I, and it, uh, to me it's a, it's another tool in the bag it's not the end all the be all mm-hmm. for framing and catching so mm-hmm. get, take it over from that point
2: please All right. well and and i got a catcher in mind that i'm going to uh, talk to you about here in a second all right I, well, look, before you go
1: especially because pitch, pitchers are being taught to throw high in the zone it makes no sense
2: right yeah. well you know if your catcher is flexible then you want them to catch from low to high, especially if you're trying to live low, because if you're up here high and you go down to get it and back up, that's too much movement. And the umpire can see it, right? <clears throat> if I'm catching, I teach my guys this. First of all, I'm not a fan of this one knee down thing,
0: no, yeah, oh, right? no.
2: because they say one knee down, <clears throat> excuse me, wins the low, the low strike. Was well, super a flexible catcher love. wins regardless of what he's in. Oh. Then I hear, well, one knee, I can frame up that 90 mile an hour slider better. I got more support. Well, listen, this is how nerdy I am. <clears throat> I calculated the amount of force that a 90 mile an hour slider.
1: He told me produces, this
2: <laughs> produces when it hits your glove. Force is measured in Newtons, right? Oh wow! So at 90 miles an hour, a five and a half or 5.05 ounce ball produces about the same amount of force in your hand, anywhere from the same weight of three to 11 Snickers bars. That's it. <laughs> You know, my kids understand that, right? Right. 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 You know, but, oh no, man, no, it's not. No, it's not ninety zillion pounds of force. It's like catching a half a dozen to a dozen Snickers bars. You can't handle that, right? You
0: know, and maybe maybe only eleven because Rick would eat the one Snickers bar.
2: <laughs> well, maybe that guy only throws eighty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. So, you know, so, it's
0: not that much force coming in, is it? You know, it it's no, it, it's
2: a low amount of force, and and you actually are taken away from your base of support which I could get in here and draw diagrams and do everything. And I get all crazy about that stuff. And this is what we teach our catchers. What I want them to do is look, some pitchers want the glove where you want the ball to end up, right? Some pitchers want you to put the glove where you want it to start breaking. It's all individualized. And when you were talking about when, when pitcher, when, when you get hit by pitch, you can always watch the catcher. You can also tell what the catcher thinks about the pitcher by how they react, i.e. Buster Posey. (laughs) Right. <laughs> you know yeah i'm just gonna sit back and let you get whopped. you know <laughs> so well, yeah, he, yeah he you know th- but this low accentuating or emphasizing getting down on one knee to win the low strike well the last i checked it's north south east and west why are we only worried about south right even right. if he throws a strike and you're down on one knee and catch it here it looks high mm-hmm. right? right they're going to call it a ball and i've talked to professional college umpires ad nauseum because next year at this conference that i'm going to be at at the usual one that i see you um the national conference my thing is going to be you know pros and cons you're going to have to make up your mind on it but here's you're limiting yourself right you know now you're showing the ball east and west where if i'm framing and swaying i can hide the umpire from the ball so if i do this my hand's in the same spot but now it looks outside right? Right. I turn in and the hands there, it looks like a strike. So that's what I really work on. The, the low thing is like the new fad, like you said, and you know, you're, you're pigeonholing yourself if that's the only way you can catch a low strike.
0: There's something in in the purest of baseball with the umpire. I always feel in in a playoff game when you really watch every pitch and the difference between a one and zero count and a two and zero count and one and one, one and two are huge and umpire calls totally dictate each individual playoff game. You get a guy calling a wide strike zone and then they don't, in the seventh inning, he tightens it up or vice versa. And I wish there was a way and they they couldn't do it because it's part of the purity of the game. If they could wire a catcher and the little conversations between him and the ump, because they couldn't, I would be like, okay, we're going to wire you now. And then when you're 10 years out of the league, we're going to air it on ESPN when no one knows who you are anymore, because I find that you ever, the catcher gives that glance back. And then in between, you know, they, they have these little conversations and it's like, Oh, when I killed to be no, maybe they're talking about what the best restaurant I mean in Josh, St. Louis is. You jump, jump in on this, but I can tell you, Jimmy,
1: from years ago, back there, you really, I mean, you get involved with the umpire, usually when you're hitting and he calls a pitch that you have not been getting behind the plate all day. Right. That's when usually the, the, the conversation start, right, Johnston you're yep. like hitting, yeah, you're hitting, right. You're hitting, you know, batting. right, right, right. I think that's when you turn, like, you're going to start giving that to me the next inning, you know, and that's yeah. when the, that's when the trouble starts.
2: And right. but when you come right. out, you know, let's say you're the home team and you come out, you obviously, you probably recognize the umpire you've dealt with him before and you say, okay, um, Hey, here, here we go. Um, you know, good to see you, whatever, you know, you calling them inside a day. And a lot of times the umpires start the conversation. Like, listen, if I'm going to tell you right now, if you get down on one knee, you're probably not going to get a lot of strikes. They usually give you a little bit of advice and give you a little, a little heads up on how they call.
1: You know, at a higher level than good umpires. Yes. Yes. I I agree. You know, sometimes we get umpires and I, you know, it's (laughs) there. I'm at first base coach and I'm like, how is that a strike? Well, I'm like, you know, this, this, I'm a coach and I'm like, That was a ball. I'm like, I, it's sometimes I don't
2: know if they're consistent. I'm okay with that.
1: As long as they're consistent. That's what you want. One thing
0: you want.
2: Yeah. Because then it's the same, both sides of the field. Yeah. I'm
0: going to, I'm going to switch it on you uh, real quick. and Rick's probably going to edit this out, but I want to ask you, you, you seem to be around, you've been around long enough where you kind of went in and out of the steroid thing. Now, Mm -hmm. when people see that you're involved in
2: like a tight end,
0: no, no, no. Well, you're you're involved in performance uh, training and performance. uh, Obviously you talked about the psychology of stuff. What, what do you see now where performing enhancing drugs were a obvious and pervasive. Mm -hmm. And now do you see, is it really, you see the kind of different kind of performance enhancing stuff that's Legal, but not really. You, you get a lot of that now at your at your well, uh, situation.
2: Get a lot of questions. <clears throat> you know, coach. How can I get bigger, coach? Kind of loaded questions. I know what they're asking. Right. And my answer is the same every time. Hard work. You know. Right. Um, I'm 56 years old, and I get a lot of crap from my players. Um, but you know, I'm retired, and I either train or do podcasts. <laughs> so, you <Right>. know, <laughs> that's why I can stay this way. Um, and, you know, they, they are still looking actively, my, my feeling, my personal opinion is, is still out there. Right. It's just not, they're just much more careful. Right. And there's this old saying, when I was playing the guy with the best doctor wins. Um, right. So, yeah. So I know what
0: it's, I mean, me and you were around the same age. And I remember I was never a gym guy, obviously. Um, but there was guys in my hometown that weren't even athletes and steroids were more of like, a, um. Social it was thing. almost like the stuff that gym guys did. It was not considered like creepy. Mm-hmm. And then obviously that's why I don't really mock out the early players who yeah. were doing steroids because it was going on in every gym USA. It was like, yeah. it was like going for a beer and a sandwich. And then it got, that's when, the, when it got into that level of, you know, take this pill to clear it, that pill. To, and that's yeah. when it got complicated. Yeah. And yeah. now with the technology and the pharmaceutical world, uh, who knows what. And maybe the stuff, part of me
2: says maybe the stuff, some
0: of it should be legal.
2: I don't know. Well, I, I can really quick say that, you know, the, the, the purpose, there are two different reasons for taking it. The gym guys versus baseball guys. The baseball guys did it to recover. Right. Because they have 161 games. They got 20 games in the spring. They got maybe another 12 games to 20 games in the fall if they're good. That's a hell of a lot of ba- of, of pressure on your body. It, you know, it's been shown. And as a, you know, a guy with a, you know, a graduate degree in, in kinesiology, they don't help you perform except for recovery. So yeah, they do kind of help you perform when you say performance enhancement, it doesn't help my hand eye coordination. It doesn't help. my. Foot I thought
0: speed. there was something with steroids with your eyes. That's not really true. You haven't heard anything. No. About that?
2: <laughs> no, you, you, you take them and you get so big, you can't see your, you know, everything, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, No,
1: it, 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 it was with the recovery. Cause if your muscles are able to recover, you're able to maintain the speed right, right, at which right. you perform at such a high level at.
2: I mean, basically a steroid is a a peptide, right? It's got a ton of proteins and peptides crammed together that your body naturally makes, but you're getting a concentration of it. So it helps you recover that way versus, you know, my body's just, um, you know, can only recover at a certain rate with the amount of protein I intake, I ingest through food, the amount of carbs, whatever my diet is. Peptides are all those things mashed together. So it's like, a week's worth of protein in one shot. So that
0: that leads me to another thing. We don't, we don't have that much time here, but like how many, how many professional, it seems like these professional athletes, not only baseball are like on these super diets and all that is is there, there still a lot of guys who just like kind of, they're just great. They're just good hitters. They, 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 they don't need you. They don't need, they don't need steroids. They just, the ball comes in, they slap it and they, and they're just, is there still a lot of that where a guy is can just, naturally, just gifted. A it, naturally gifted or is it really now you have to be so super trained and is there any naturalism going on left in the game?
2: Yeah, yeah, there is. And that's, that's where we come in. We identify that natural ability. Okay. And, and we, what we do is we, we expose your DNA, you know, and we're going to be honest with you, we can help you here because you have some of the natural aspects or, or qualities that you're speaking of. Okay. Um, some kids just want to play and, and, you know, cause their parents tell them they're the best in the world and we got to be the bad news bearer and saying, sorry, we're not going to take your money. We can't help you.
0: Right. So, well, you might take your money for a little bit though, right? Just a little bit. Right, let
2: me, let me think about it for two months. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's
1: funny. Now, uh, Johnston, where can people find you?
2: Um, you can look us up at 224performance.com. Okay. Um, all our, all our contact info's on there. Um, we uh peak performance. will have a site here soon. We've got some training aids that we've developed and patent to help throwers, hitters and catchers that we'll be releasing pretty soon online. Um, But, we, you know, we're out there. You can just type us in or type me in. You'll see where we are, what we're doing. And, and we'll be in Omaha this summer trying to pull home another championship for the filth ballers.
0: There you
1: go. There you go. Well, Johnston, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. This was fascinating, especially because, again, it's the it's the guts and, you know, the Amateur ball players, we're going to hope to see coming in the future. So, I want to thank you very much for that. And we'll
0: have you on again,
2: yeah, I I we love anybody nice who. who any... Rutgers, Indiana. We're going to get together for that. Oh,
0: I got to come out there for a game. Maybe a hoops game, too, if you come out this way.
2: I got you. I got you. <laughs> you got <it. laughs>
0: All right. Big shout out to Johnston Hobbs coming on our show. Well, Rick, that wraps up another Interlocking NY show. As always, interesting with you, Jimmy. I enjoy it every week. Me too. I enjoyed our What the Heck Happened to That
1: Guy segment. Oh, and, uh,
0: Do I you can't remember wait to... that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, I'm sure uh, we got some interesting guests for next week. And uh, we will see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Interlocking NY's with Rick and Jimmy every Sunday at 8 p.m. on 365sportscast.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcast.